Isaiah chapter 13 in your Bibles, verse 19. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 19. And the sermon entitled this morning is, Come Out of Her, My People. Come Out of Her, My People. This series we're studying, The Mystery of Babylon Revealed, we learned that Babylon is really founded upon the principles and the forces behind it, right? We studied a little bit of, about it in the past. And so what really Babylon is all about is what is Babylon based upon and the things about Babylon. That's what makes Babylon dangerous this morning. And both, there are two Babylons in the Bible. First Babylon is the Babylon of the Euphrates, which is King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And then there's the Babylon of today, or the final Babylon of Revelation, of the papacy. And of two Babylons, the two Babylons are the working out of these forces to this uttermost, the forces that were behind it that we learned about. And in these last days, God is calling upon a people who will be able to clearly discern and understand what is Babylon all about? What is behind Babylon? What is the forces behind it? So they can truly know what God's people, Israel, ought to do today. Amen? So if you know what Babylon is based upon, you will know what you need to do, your family needs to do, and God's remnant church needs to do also. So this morning, as we open the Word of God to study the mystery of Babylon, and let it be revealed. May our hearts be open to the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you for it. May we learn what you want us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's study about the king of Babylon first. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 19. What did God say would happen to the Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar back then? 13, verse 19, the Bible says, and Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of Chaldees, excellency, shall be as when God, what? What is that word? Overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. So Babylon was prophesied in the old times of Nebuchadnezzar that Babylon was going to fall, right? We knew that. Now look at Isaiah 14, verse 4, the next chapter. Besides the city of Babylon of old, what else was to see, so to fall? Look at verse 4, the Bible says, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the, who? King. king. So Babylon has a king, and who was it at that time? Nebuchadnezzar at that time. And the Belshazzar, his son. Against the king of Babylon, and say, how has, thou how has the oppressor, what? Ceased, or ended, or fallen. The golden city ceased. In other words, not only be Babylon was prophesied to fall, but also the king himself was also to fall also, right? Now, how does the Bible describe this king? Look at your papers, your handouts, your blue handouts. Look at the paper on the top. Seven texts here real quick. We're going to go really quick. It says, Isaiah 14, verse 4, it says, This king was known as the oppressor. Is that good or bad? That's bad, not good. Isaiah 14, 6. He smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. 
Is this a good leader? It's a good president to have? Definitely not, right? Six, he ruled the nations in anger, all these other nations of the whole world. Is that a good leader to run a nation? 16 says, made the earth to tremble. 16 says, 14, 16 says, did shake kingdoms. Verse 17, it says, that made the world a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. And then it says in, in the last one, number 7, it says, Isaiah 14, verse 17, it says, did not let his prisoners loose homewards, did not let them go homeward. Actually, there's parallels here where there's a certain nation in this world today. But um, that's not the topic of this sermon. But in the midst of this description of the king of Babylon, who does the Bible reveal this king of Babylon to be? So you look at this text, it's talking about Isaiah chapter 14, verse 6 in your handouts, right? And Isaiah 14, verse 4. And then it jumps to Isaiah 14, verse 16, and Isaiah 14, verse 17. Let's go into the midst of this description of the king of Babylon to verses 12 to 15, because that's in the middle of this description of the king of Babylon. And who does the Bible talk about in, as being a king in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, in the midst of this description of the king of Babylon? Notice what it says here. Who is it talking about? Interesting. It says, How thou art fallen from heaven, O who? Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in your heart, I will send into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation and on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high, the Bible says. Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So the same thing that it was talking about the king of Babylon is referring here to Lucifer being prideful just like the king of Babylon, being the king of Babylon. And also, the Bible says in verse 15 that he's going to fall because the king of Babylon's going to fall and cease also. Do you see that? So the king of Babylon, beloved, according to this, is none other than Satan himself. Now that's clear when we go to Revelation chapter 13, to the second Babylon. Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. See, yes, there was a king, but the principles and the forces and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world that was behind the Babylon of old was none other than Satan himself, because it makes sense. The principles upon Babylon was, was based upon was only evil. And only evil comes from Satan himself. Now look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. Who gives the final Babylon its power? Now the final Babylon is the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church. So we're living in the days of the second Babylon. Now you know that. There was a time back then where the days of the first Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, oppressed God's people of Israel. We're living in the days of the final Babylon reaching to his pinnacle power of the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church. That's the days we're living in. Now, who is a true king that gave the power to the final Babylon? 13 verse 2, the Bible says, And the beast, now we're not going to go into this, but the beast of the first beast of Revelation 13 is the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church. So the Babylon of Revelation or the papacy, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as a lion of a bear, and his mouth is a mouth of a lion, and, a, and the who? Dragon gave him his power and his seat and great 
authority. In other words, it is the very power, throne, and authority of the dragon himself that is given to the final Babylon. Now, who is this dragon? Who is the dragon? Okay, look at your handouts here. I just had it down here, so we have to turn to Revelation 12, verse 9. It says here, And a great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the, what? Devil and Satan. Is that pretty clear? To deceive the whole world. So the dragon is the devil, which is Satan. So what gave the power and authority and the kingdom, his very own kingdom himself, to Babylon of Revelation, the papacy is truly, the king of Babylon is Satan, the dragon himself. Do you see that? So the principles that's founded upon the principles of the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church is demonic principles. And the true king behind the forces of the Babylon of Revelation is truly Satan, the dragon himself. Do you see that? The principles behind it. And since the characteristics of Babylon is the spiritual and intellectual forces of the natural world, it is easy to see that the prince and God behind the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience is none other than Satan himself this morning. Now, what are we not to be a part of? Let's look at being out of the world. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. What are we not to be a part out of? 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. What does it mean to be not be a part of Babylon? 1 John chapter 2, Verse 15 and 16. Notice what the Bible says. What are we not to be a part of? The Bible says in 1 John 15, Love not the what? World. Neither the things that are in the what? World. If any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is what? Not in him. We're not to love the things of the world out there in the world, outside of ourselves, in the world. Then it says 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now you look at your quotes here, I'm going to point in a couple more quotes out here on the bottom of your handout. James chapter 4, verse 4. It says, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is what? Enmity with God. Anything that have to do with the world, and the world is actually Babylon. Anything to do with the world, or it's Satan, right? Because the king of this world is Satan. The king of Babylon is Satan, so the world and Babylon must be the same thing. Which, and says, so Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And then John 17, 14 to 16. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I pray that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou, sh shouldest, thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then John 15, 19, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. So can you see from this text that 
it is not a good thing to be off the world, right? God wants us to call us out of the world. Babylon is the spirit and ways of the world. Do you see that, right? Thus God, because Satan is the king of Babylon. Satan is the king of this world. Therefore, Babylon is world is the same principle. Thus God wants to be out of the spirit and the traditions of this world, does he not, right? To be out of it. Now, how else are we to be different from the world? So outside of the, the world has its ways of doing things and traditions of doing things. But besides out there in the world, God wants us to be different in another way. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians um, chapter 2, verse 3 to 8. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8. Notice the Bible says. Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So don't let be, don't be doing things that's wicked. And this is in verse 5, let this mind be where? In you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even a death of a cross. In other words, Babylon is not only out there in the world, that God wants us not to follow the ways and traditions of the people out there, right? Babylon can also be within your own mind, Amen? within your own thoughts and your feelings and your character, on the inside. Not only falling on the outward form, but God wants us to have a completely transformed, whole new mind within your body. Amen? Transf you're going to still have the same, same sinful flesh. Even when you, people think once they come out of the water, they think the sinful flesh disappears. It doesn't disappear. You still got it. Romans chapter 7. But what God does is does something better. He gives you the mind of Jesus Christ himself in the place of your mind. Amen? And that mind is powerful, more powerful than your sinful flesh this morning. Amen? And that's how you can get victory over sin. So God not only wants us to get, come out of the sinful world out there, but he also wants us to come out of the sinful mind that we have of the natural mind in our, in our, in our bodies. God wants us to be out of the spiritual, intellectual forces of the natural mind. Now, what else are we not to be a part of? Turn to Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Acts 26, verse 18. There's three parts to be out of. Babylon, of the worldly ways, traditions out there. Be out of the Babylon in your mind, in your own thoughts, your feelings, your character in your spiritual intellectual forces of the natural mind. Get out of the natural mind and have the mind of Christ. But what else? Acts 26, verse 18, the Bible says, Jesus said, this is actually Jesus quoted here saying, to open their eyes and to turn them from, from what? Darkness to what? Light. And from the power of who? Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Babylon is the realm and dominion 
of Satan, the king of Babylon. Do you see that? And thus God calls us to be out of the realm and the power and the dominion of Satan and be under the mastership of Jesus Christ. Amen? So not only out there the ways and traditions of the world, God wants us to have Babylon, get out of Babylon. God wants us to get out of the Babylon of the natural mind and let the mind of Christ come inside of you also, not what's going to run out in your life, but inside your own life. But God also wants us to get out of the dominion and the power of the king of Babylon, which is Satan himself. Do you see that? To come into the power and the realm and the mastership of Jesus Christ this morning. How many of you want to have that this morning? Let me see your hands. Amen. I want that. Now, let's go to Revelation 18. Revelation 18, verse 1. We're going to go to study Babylon. What is to be proclaimed concerning Babylon in the last days? The message hasn't gone out yet. But what will happen? Revelation chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. Especially verse 4, but I want to give you a foundation. Listen to this. And after these things, I saw another angel. Angel is a messenger. Come down from where? Heaven. Having great power. And the earth was lightened with his what? What's God's glory? His what? Character. In other words, his character of love, the last message of mercy to be given to a dying world, is a revelation of his character of love. Amen? That's the revelation. The last message comes with power. Is a message of God's character of goodness, of mercy, of forgiveness that compels your goodness that leads us to true repentance this morning. Amen? So that's his message that God gives. It's a powerful message. I believe it's beginning. But the powerful message that God is, is giving to his people, and God is raising a people, faithful people around the world, of a, of a message of revealing the true character of who God really is. When that message goes, then we will naturally fall in love with him because when we see a message of God's character of love, how can we not love him? For to know God is to love God. Amen? Amen. And so we'll see him and who, how he really is. And then it says here in verse 2, And he cried mightily with a strong voice. After his message comes, then comes, you know, God always brings the love first, and then he comes the strong rebuke after, right? The love first, and then number two. Listen to this. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great, this is the final Babylon, the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church, is fallen, is fallen. We learned that was because of pride. They fall, right? And to become the habitations of what? Devils. It's only natural as the king of Babylon is Satan himself. And the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird Number three, for nations have what? Drunk of the wine of the wrath of a fornication. We learned in the last sermon that a lot of people are drinking in their own vessels the false doctrines and teachings and the false educational systems of the world, the false teachings of the false character of Jesus Christ, right? Thus people don't love God because of it. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And verse 4. And I heard another voice from where? Heaven. In other words, it's not a human voice. Though God's going to use human instrumentalities, yes. But truly it's going to be a voice inspired from heaven, from God and through his Holy Spirit to his people. Amen? 
And then it says, a heavenly voice coming from heaven saying, listen to this, come out of her who? My people. Not just anybody. But the call is out, come out of her, my people. That's the call. That you be not partakers of her sins, and they receive not of her plagues. Babylon will fall, and God will call his people to come out of her, my people. Whenever Babylon reached to its great height of ascendancy, it was a sign that it was near her fall. But it was at this fall in the future that God's people are urged to flee out of Babylon. Now, what does it mean to flee out of Babylon? Now, first of all, before we begin, I want to share this. First of all, I believe that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not Babylon. And anyone who teaches this truth or claiming to be truth is not sent by God. Now, we've learned that Babylon is represented as being in the world. And thus, to be out of Babylon is nothing less than to be out of the world. We also learn that the forces behind Babylon are the forces of the natural mind, of the spiritual and intellectual forces of the sinful human flesh in your body, inside of you also. And so therefore, to be out of this is to be out of the natural mind and then subject to the law of God. Amen? And then also we learn that the king of Babylon is Satan himself. And thus to be out of Babylon is to be out of the realm, dominion, and power of Satan himself. Therefore, this is important, to be out of Babylon is not so much concerned with one's physical location as it is concerned with one's spiritual condition. Are you following me? In other words, to be out of Babylon is not at all dependent upon place, but is wholly dependent upon condition. A condition of heart, mind, and spirit. Are you following me? You see, beloved, as to location, Daniel himself and his three friends was in Babylon. Are you following me? But yet, while they were in Babylon, their hearts, minds, and spirit was far out of Babylon as the heavens are above the earth, right? Is that not true? And when Babylon fell, not only that, Daniel was by location, remember? He was called in front of the king and all the lords while they're drinking. But while Babylon fell, he was in the midst of Babylon. Are you following me? He was, right? While physically and bodily, he was there. But as to his condition, he was so utterly and completely out of Babylon, that when it fell, he was perfectly safe. Amen? And this and only this is what is meant to be truly out of Babylon. Truly out of Babylon. And why is that important? We're going to get there. But turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. What does God want to call us into? You see, whenever God calls us out of something, he wants to call us into something else, Right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Listen to this. The Bible says, To the general assembly, you know what general assembly means? Um, another word for that is actually universal. And you know what another word for universal? Does anyone know? I heard it here. Catholic. So the Bible is saying here, to the general assembly or the universal assembly or 
the Catholic assembly. So the, there's actually the two Catholic churches here found in the Bible. Amen? The two Catholic churches found here in the Bible. Praise God. So the Bible says here in 1223, to the general assembly, to the Catholic church, to the general assembly and church, okay, there's only time he's talking specifically about church, so there's a church here, of the who? Who's the firstborn? Huh? Does anyone know who the firstborn is? No. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the firstborn, the only begotten son. Firstborn of, firstborn it says here. So to the general, to the Catholic Church of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is the true Church of Jesus Christ. Amen. You hear about the Church of Christ and whatever, but this is the true Church of Christ. And not only that, but it says the Catholic. So in other words, this is the true, original Catholic Church of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, Satan has a counterfeit for everything, but there, every counterfeit there must be a true. He does that. And that's what he does. He makes you go down a counterfeit. So the true church here, the true church, the true Catholic church of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, who's, how can you be part of this church? It's a church of Jesus Christ, and it's not a visible church. It's an invisible church, because which are written on the books on this earth. Is what it says here? Written where? So God's true church, according to this, is the church of Christ, the true Catholic church of Christ, where the members have the names written in the membership books of heaven. Amen? And we know, and we know that those who are written on, in the true membership of God's books in heaven are the ones that actually will be the only ones saved in the eternal kingdom. Is that not true? Is it possible to be saved eternally in heaven if your name is not written in the true church of Christ up in heaven? Is that possible? Is it possible to be lost while your names are written on the Seventh-day Adventist book membership? Is that possible? Yeah, it is, right? So between the two, which would be the more, which is actually the true church of Christ, which actually will give you eternal life? The one in heaven. Does that make sense? The one up in heaven is the true church. Of Christ. When one is converted and born again, one's name is therefore written in the books of heaven, and you're joined to the only church of Christ. Now, yet it is true that pastors today, evangelists, and church members today make the calling out of Babylon. You ever heard this? Come out of Babylon, right? They make the calling to come out of Babylon more of a calling out of a place rather than calling out of a condition. Is that not true? Isn't that what you always hear? You always heard. You got to come out of Babylon. You must come out of Babylon and the mother, mother church there and all of her daughters. In other words, come out of all the, the Roman Catholic church and all of the Sunday churches, right? Is that not true? You hear that? And once you come out, then you, then you come out of Babylon. But to merely say that it's, it's just a physical place and to miss the main point, which is the spiritual part, is to miss the whole thing. So much so that people rather think, people think that the preacher to come out of Babylon is merely a physical thing of changing your church membership from one church 
to another rather than a spiritual thing of having your heart change this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen? And this is the great deception. If you can just come out of this physical locality of a certain church and move in, into a membership of another church physically, having nothing to do with any spiritual change, then you're safe, you're clear, and you're heading in the right direction. Are you following me? Leaving everything to a physical realm, beloved. Nothing to do with the supernatural power of the spiritual realm. But according to what we study is that to come out of Babylon, beloved, has a deal with the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm behind the institution of the papacy. Like behind the Pope, which is the king of Babylon, Satan himself. Which is behind the Babylon, which is in the world, to come out the ways and traditions of the world. The natural mind inside of you to come out of it also. Not only the physical place, but more importantly, which we miss as a people, that we need to come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon, for she has fallen, and come out of her spiritually within your own mind this morning. Amen? That is the call that God has called us to. And there are many people within our church that are faithful in teaching that the church of Rome is Babylon. But often they fail when they urge people to come out of Babylon and then they call people into a church in which they contribute themselves that follows the very principles of the church they're calling themselves out of. Beloved, are you following me? So we're calling people out of this Institution, and as long as we say it's an institution, everything's okay. Right? We're calling out of the institution into another institution where we ourselves are following the very same principles that the institution we called out inside of our own church and our own lives, beloved. Are you following me? You see, it's ridiculous and foolish when people see a church that is actually patterned in the very same principles and spirit after the church of Rome, calling them to come out of her, and then in the next breath say, come in here, come in here. And it's pure deceit to build a church structure, just like all the other churches, because they're doing it, and then to call people away from all the other churches and to this one. For this is nothing short of the very trickery and confusion of Babylon itself. The truth is that any and every humanly constructed, organized church is by the scriptures a defiled woman and is of concern, of, of connection with Babylon and her daughters. So let it be repeated and repeated forever that to be out of Babylon is not only based upon out of a place or location, but to be out of Babylon is based con, con, in wholly upon our condition this morning. You see that, beloved? A condition of heart, mind, and spirit, and of will, thoughts, and purpose. And that's why, beloved, it is important that we must take Babylon out of our churches this morning. Amen? And churches is actually people. So Babylonian principles must be taken out of my heart and your heart, my mind, and your mind here this morning. Our church must be clean so that Whoever may look at our church and see God's true church, they may see something that is pure, and that we may be bold in inviting others to join God's last day movement today. You see, beloved, one of the greatest dangers I've seen within our church is that when we give this message to come out of Babylon, and a lot of people have this mentality, and how many have actually family within Babylon today? 
within the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church. I raise my hand here because I have a lot of family. We think that as long as we're out of it, we're safe. And it's a false security. Because thing is, we think it's only a physical change of location. And so we're so bent upon getting them out of Babylon when Daniel himself was in the midst of Babylon, beloved. Are you following me? The call did not come out to come out yet. It has not truly fallen yet. And so the mere dependent upon a, con a location, not upon condition, deceives us. And so while they may be in Babylon, their condition may be fully spiritual. Are you following me? And out of Babylon. Well, we may be out of Babylon physically, but our condition of our mind may be totally spiritually Babylonian. Are you following me? It may be more safer for them to be there at this time, right? God does not call many into the church because the church members have never been converted or once been converted have backslidden, Ellen White says. It may be safer for them out in the world than it is to be here in the church. I've seen many Seventh-day Adventists become self-deceived and complacent because of this very same teaching. When they believed that they were then out of Babylon and safe within the right remnant church, they then began to drift along in their spiritual journey to the eternal kingdom of heaven, not realizing that they were actually drifting down toward the gates of hell. There's a deception of believing that once we're out of Babylon and we're in God's remnant church, we can go down cruise control to heaven, right? Our books are, our names are written in the books of heaven. Everything's okay. It's those people in the midst of Babylon, like, like Daniel and his three friends, are the very ones we need to worry about. And this is the very same reason why many Seventh-day Adventists today have become, become content with a mere outward form rather than an inward transformation of character. But once you believe that you're safe and everything's okay and you're in the right location, not to worry about condition, why do you need to have a transformation of character? Just follow a few outward, mere, you know, external standards and works and everything will be okay. God wants to transform the renewing of our minds this morning. Amen? Beloved, the call of God to his people today is to come out of Babylon. And this call is not so much a, a call out of a place as it is a call out of a condition of our minds. For this call in Revelation 18 is a call to come out of the Babylonian traditions out there in the world and into the heavenly ways above. This call is a call to come out of the Babylonian desires of the sinful flesh and into the heavenly mind of Jesus Christ. This call is a come from the dominion and power of Satan and into the mastership of Jesus Christ. For the come out of Babylon simply means to leave the natural desires of the heart by receiving a new heart and being born again this morning. Amen? Amen? That is the true calling out of Babylon. For no person, no matter where your location is, no matter what church, if you do not have a new heart, a born-again experience, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. God is calling people out of Babylon, of the world, to receive a new life in Christ, to be born again in Christ. Without seeing the love of God and experiencing it within yourself, in your mind, you are still in Babylon, though you may be out of Babylon, beloved. Are you following me? So this morning, if you would rather serve Jesus Christ than the king of Babylon and to be fully out of Babylon, why don't you make a commitment to him by raising your hand with me this morning? Amen. This morning, I would like to invite Carol to come up here. Um, to share before we close. 
before we sing our closing hymn, um, to I rather have Jesus. She's going to share um, a little praise to God and testimony about God's goodness before baptism. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Um, I have just a short time to share a testimony, but I'd like to first of all thank all the members here of, uh, for all their encouragement and the love that they've shown me. Joyce has been a very encouraging uh, person in my walk here. It's been a year and a half since I've been coming to the church, and Karen, you've done marvelous things to encourage me and to give me good counsel. And as I look around, there's, uh, I can't forget, Yvette and uh, Pastor. Yeah. You are very instrumental in giving me wonderful counsel that I'll never forget and I'll ever be grateful for you saved me from getting in myself into a, a big mess. Thank Good you job. for that. And Sandy, you've been a great encouragement to me. And Gabby. Thank you for your love and your wonderful example of uh, being a loving mother. And um, Clayton, you've helped me so much to get started in your Bible studies with Panna. And uh, it was wonderful to study with you, and you've been a great teacher for me. And um, Nicole, thank you for your encouragement and your wonderful example. And... uh, Elizabeth, you've been very sweet and tender and kind and understanding. Thank you so much. Mimi, thank you for your love and encouragement. And everyone, I couldn't name you all, but uh, you've been so loving and kind and encouraging in this family of God. I first became a believer when I was 14, and uh, I went to a college where my sister was studying. I heard someone speaking gospel for the first time, and it was so interesting to, to me to hear the words of Messiah. It just was amazing to me, and after I heard that little speech that they gave, I went down and sat under a tree and prayed and asked him to come into my life, and I started a new journey. I started reading the Bible, and it was just amazing to me. I became a hearer of the word, not actually a doer of the word at first. And um, I got involved mistakenly with a Christian cult, which was very deceptive, and they twisted the scriptures a lot. And I finally got out of that, praise Yahuwah for that. And I started to hear from Messianic believers about keeping the Sabbath, and it really interested me to uh, start reading the Old Testament, and I agreed wholeheartedly. I mean, keeping the Sabbath and keeping the commandments, it just seems so uh, reasonable to me. That, I mean, that's what we were taught to do. So um, with my family, I started keeping the Sabbath and feasts, and uh, I was homeschooling my children, and a group of homeschoolers began to get interested in keeping the Sabbath, too different families that I was uh, involved with, homeschooling my children. And um, I didn't know that the Seventh-day Adventist church was a Sabbath-keeping church. I thought all churches were Sunday keepers. 
So when I first got introduced to the Seventh-day Adventists, it was um, because I saw a man uh, at um, Island Natural sitting down reading the Bible to someone, witnessing to a lady. I said, wow, look at him. He's bold, and he doesn't care if anybody's looking at him. He's reading the Bible right out in public. And then I found this fellow again at um, Abundant Life. He was a cashier, and I talked to him. I said, I noticed you reading the Bible. That's so fantastic. You, you had no fear. Or you didn't care who was listening or whatever. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to go live with a Sabbath keeper. I said, you know a Sabbath keeper? You know, I didn't know there was anyone on the island who kept the Sabbath. So that's how I first got introduced to uh, Seventh-day Adventists by some Sabbath keepers and. Uh, I'm so thankful that I started to come to church, and then I found out that uh, you kept the health message, and I said, wow, you guys believe in uh, eating well and taking care of your bodies, and I was just really turned on by that, and also dress reform, and um, I got introduced to Ellen Wright's writings, which uh, just was fantastic to me. At first, I was like, no, I don't want to read those, you know, it's like, what, what is this, uh, what is this person, but... Uh, as I read her books, Desire of Ages and Great Controversy, I fell in love with it, and I just, I was so thankful that, you know, that um, you believe in her writings, and she is a prophet, and um, um, the Bible says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And also, Messiah said, um, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under his wings, and you would not. So I just really believe in her as a prophet, and I believe we should be believe in the prophets that he sends us, you know. And... Um, I'm thankful that this church is uh, committed to keeping the commandments and they have an understanding of the sanctuary truth, which I learned about through the Seventh-day Adventists, and believing in the spirit of prophecy. And baptism to me symbolizes repentance, death to my sins, and a burial of the old way of my life, and a resurrection to the new life in Messiah. And uh, Messiah said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And um, Paul said, for by the Spirit we are all baptized into one body. So I believe this is the true body of Christ, and I hope that you will accept me as one of your members, because I'm very fortunate to have your love and uh, encouragement. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.